At the circus, a killer stages an accident on the high wire. The victim tumbles to the ground. For their final performance, they contort into the letter F. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, Episode 7, The Jigsaw Puzzle Will. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and I once spent two hours looking at a Where's Waldo illustration. Oh, I found Waldo right away, but I couldn't figure out why Waldo would wear that hat with those glasses. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who thinks I don't know about the mobile suit Gundam he keeps on the roof of our building. Look, Mike, as long as you're home in time for dinner. You know, what? <laughs> Mike, what have you got for us today? Sorry, that took me by surprise. <laughs> what have you got for us today? Well, today I was thinking about eye catches. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, uh, in anime, that's when they're going to and coming back from a commercial. We always see some kind of specific little thing. Uh, and we used to do this in American TV, at least in like Saturday morning cartoons. We'd be like, we'll be right back after this. And now we're back. Uh, but it still happens in like every anime up to this day. What is the eye catch in this show? Uh, so it's bum 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 bum, and it yeah. just sort of like does like a little quick spotlight over all the characters, and then highlights what I thought uh, was just Q, but now it's focusing on different ones, and that'll mm. come up later. Yeah, and you'll find out why. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about that. Cool. I didn't know what those were called. There's definitely some cool ones uh, that we'll encounter. Great guest that we have on today. So um, our mystery guest today is an illustrator and circus performer. Co-founder of Yes Ma'am Circus Company in Chicago, contributor to the Insider Art Anthology. She made the cover art for this podcast, the Dying Message logo and kind of illustration there. And one time, she attempted to solve the mystery of the Christmas gift of 1995. I've cracked the case. It's Miriam Bloom. Yay! Hi, everybody. Welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. So you've done all different kinds of illustration. And I, I, I don't know, and you, in, in a lot of different styles, um, what is like the thing you love to do or the, the, the thing you really, that represents you as an illustrator? You know, I'm going to hate myself for answering this this way, but I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest and say that's sure. the mystery I'm working on right now. Yeah, fair enough. That's like, yeah, asking someone their favorite anything. It's a pretty unfair, yeah. difficult question to answer. Yep. So you have this piece in insider art. What kind of style mm-hmm. is that in? What, what is it? Um, it's a short four-page comic. It's sort of a... I don't even know what to call the style. It definitely has anime influences, and I definitely have American comic book influences, like Marvel, DC, that kind of thing. Um, though the anime is probably stronger. It's probably more akin to... Oh, I don't know. If you pay attention to web comics or more independent comics... Indie middle grade comics or indie uh, adventure comics. Honestly, it's it's really much more similar to that kind of style. Uh, that's this is one of the things that's like a bad idea to do in a podcast is trying to describe visual things. <laughs> like, <laughs> rather than showing us your drawing, could you put it in words for an audio medium? Well, it's very appropriate yes. for our episode. Yes, it is. 
Absolutely. It is not, I do not do photorealism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as the artist, we will see in our episode does. So. Well, that, we won't see him. We'll describe him though. <laughs> yes. Well, something we talk about with all our guests. Uh, first, anime. What anime have you watched, if any, favorites, least favorites? Oh, gosh. Uh, so I definitely had a, a period of time where I watched a decent amount of anime uh, back when I was preteen and teenager, mostly, uh, but up into college. Sailor Moon and Yuyasha were my were my starters, really. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the ones I've watched tend to be more the the mainline ones. Um, I definitely had a Trigun phase. Otherwise, it's it's pretty standard uh, Evangelion and and other more mainline uh, animes. I never did get into like about the time you started seeing anime on uh, Cartoon Network. Yeah, that's about when I fell off the train. Yeah, which is about this. About when this kicks in, actually. Yeah, this is from a similar time I think period. we determined earlier that this, the first season of this aired approximately the same time as the first or second season of Naruto. So Okay. That's what we've convinced ourselves, at least. <laughs> <laughs> cool, yeah. So it's interesting in talking to different people. Like for some people, anime was definitely more of like a growing up thing. And then there's some people who... <laughs> for some of us, it's a not quite growing up thing. <laughs> yeah. i mean there's there's so many animes for so many different genres and everything else like you can you can find something to your taste almost certainly if you dig hard enough right and that's something i don't know in japan i mean they have the anime targeted at different audiences but is there like strictly adult anime for like 20 plus year olds well there's I believe they call that hentai. (laughs) Okay. Okay. There's television in America that's for adults that's not porn. Yeah. I mean, I would say as far as targeting goes, they target as wide a range of audiences as every other kind of uh, TV show does. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's still pretty uniformly dorky. Yeah. Oh, even in Japan. Yeah. I mean, in the way that like Doctor Who is still definitively dorky in Britain, even though it's one of the things that we associate with their culture as nerds. Yeah. Yeah. So the other the other piece of the puzzle that's I guess not a not a phrase I can use because tonight the episode is about a piece of a puzzle uh, is mystery stuff. So mystery genre is a pretty wide range of things. There's books, movies, TV shows, podcasts. Do you follow any of those things in any of those media? Not specifically to say I don't like go and search them out and I don't follow the the genre specifically, but I definitely have some some very beloved mystery things uh the clue movie of course mm-hmm. i've always wanted to do and participate in one of those murder mystery parties yes. uh, and always wanted to perform as one of the murder mystery characters in a murder mystery party uh but haven't managed that yet so we'll see there's time. i'd go so far as to say you've come pretty close though <laughs> yeah well okay i was i was the murderer yes the first time i met you was when you were playing a murderer in an immersive theater piece <laughs> Yeah, so that's I would true. Say, okay. I would say you've you've met that prompt. I'll give you that one. Yeah. The Murder Mystery Party is an interesting, like, spin-off of murder that's pretty fun to think about it. A spin-off about. of murder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's not a TV show, it's not a movie, it's not a podcast, it's not a book. As a species, we love murder so much, we make pretend and eat. We turn it into a, a family style game. Putting those two and two together, detective anime, that's what we're doing here. Uh, before you watch this episode to join us today, had you seen anything that you would call detective or mystery anime? I don't think so, no. This would be my first, like, in that genre. Cool. 
So I'm really excited to see what you think. As we are now going to talk about this episode, Episode 7, Detective Academy Q, uh, we have been working our way slowly through this series. We will do other series at some point, but, you know, we're starting with Detective Academy Q. For folks who are just joining us or um, can't remember the, who, what, what's going on, who, who are the characters we need to know about? What's, what's going to come up in this episode, Mike? Sure. So in this episode, we've got our protagonist, Renjo Q. He loves mysteries and hates everything else. Uh, we've got Minami Megumi. Uh, she has pink hair and a photographic memory, which is very important today. We've got uh, Toyama Kintaro. Uh, he hits things. We've got Narusawa Kazuma. He hacks and codes things. Computer guy. Yeah. And we've got uh, one of the teachers at uh, DDS, uh, Katagiri Shino. I call her McGonagall because she's the second in command to the mysterious headmaster who puts children in danger. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, this is really focused on art. Last week, the episode like was kind of about an actress, and they very briefly showed her on stage, but it was mostly just about a murder, mm-hmm. um, and that was just having a background. But this was like it takes place in um in a hotel where there's an art exhibit happening. Um, and we see the artist in lots of paintings, and so it's very, very artsy, very fartsy. And we start with them going through the art gallery and kind of setting the scene for us there. They're there to see the the work of Tojo Masumi, who's a highly regarded young artist, close friends with Katagiri Shino, the teacher at the school, who they knew each other in college. I wrote here, not fucking? Question mark. <laughs> there was questions about the nature of their relationship. Yes, it was pretty tender. There's definitely feelings. There's absolutely feelings between those two. Absolutely. Q asks if they were just friends or not. And Kinta punches him in the head, which is a thing he's been doing. Yes. Well, no, no, that's actually not true. It was Kazuma who asked. So in this episode, we've moved from punishing Q for saying stupid things to punishing Q when other people say stupid things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's the joke. That was a trend. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought Q actually said it. Nope. No. I know that happens later on. No, any anytime anytime he got hit, it was for something someone else said. I think we can say he does deserve it based on stuff he did in previous episodes. The sense is he would be the one to say it, so right. that's why he's getting hit. He's he said these kinds of things in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Is is why the audience is kind of buying this behavior. Okay. There's also a great line here from Shino as they kind of go to look at the art. She says, it's also important for a detective to be able to authenticate a work of art. Is that true? (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like that's the sort of thing where if they need to authenticate a piece of art, they bring it to an art expert in reality. Right. Obviously, this is anime, so reality doesn't apply here. Yeah, we sort of live in this world here where detectives have like the episode to figure out the mystery. So they don't have time to infer with anyone else. They just have to know everything. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I even like this even feels like Sherlock Holmes had an encyclopedic knowledge of just anything. So you could imagine him showing up and being like, oh, yeah, I know how to authenticate art because I'm Sherlock Holmes. So it's like because he was like that. Now these detectives are expected to know everything about everything, too. They sort of live in like a Pokemon kind of space where as the protagonists, they're the only ones who are competent at the thing. (laughs) And everyone else is incompetent. So they have to be good at everything. Look, they're the player characters, okay? Yes. Yes, exactly. And they, they have unique skills. We now are in the art gallery. There's a, the painting of a sunflower. Which are not Van Gogh's sunflowers. No. Question mark? They're not. <laughs> they aren't. They aren't. They are not. We started but didn't finish a Detective Conan movie from recent years, which is about paintings of sunflowers. Yes. 
Amazing. Maybe we'll watch that on this podcast someday. Someday we'll stop it. just briefly alluding to Detective Conan and, and actually, actually watch, watch it. it. We will. <laughs> but the the main thing they note about the photo or about the painting is that it looks so real. It's like a photo because the the painter Tojo Masumi does photorealistic paintings. Mm-hmm. They actually specifically mention that and call that out and explain photorealism. What's your knowledge of? Or understanding of photorealism? Um, it really depends. Photorealism is kind of an umbrella term that covers a whole bunch of other, like, sort of subcategories, um, including hyperrealism, which is what I hear of the most. Hyperrealism is those those painters that do these, say, gigantic paintings, you know, a, a 10 foot by 10 foot painting that's literally of a person's face that fills the entire canvas. And it's so hyperrealistic that it looks completely and utterly real, but at the same time, it's, it's overwhelming. So photorealism is more of an umbrella term, but it's definitely, it, it's definitely a, a valid category and a valid like genre of art. Yeah, I've definitely seen some in person before where you look at the painting and, and you have to go, is this a painting or is this a photograph? Mm-hmm. Um, and similar stuff in statues. There was an exhibit I saw once and I cannot tell you even where it was or who the artist was. But one time I saw art. And we have no evidence that it wasn't Amazing. just a real person standing still. It wasn't. <laughs> this, that, that, comment, that comment is even funnier because another one of my career things is I'm a living statue and I do stand still for a living. So That's right. <laughs> and the whole point, I well, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the point of a living statue is to create that feeling in people of is it a statue or is it a person and then play yes. with that. Mm-hmm. And then play with that and bring magic. Like right. that's, that's the, the thing is, is a living statue. If you are so convincing that you're a statue, you make no money because no <laughs> one stops. No one stops and no one looks at you because they think you're an actual statue and people by and large ignore actual statues. So you have to be real enough that people ignore you until you do something unexpected and catch their eye. Yeah. Now I want to perform a social experiment and just put a, like, a money box in front of a statue and see how much I can collect, like, after a day. <laughs> You'd have to stand real close to it because people will absolutely try to steal that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I could see that's the flip side. They're like, oh, it's a statue. There's money in a bucket. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll take I've, it. I have literally been standing there and had kids walk by and ask, like, look up to their moms and go, Mom, why is there money in front of this statue? You're good. You're good at it, I think. Like, who put this box of money in front of the statue? That's that's why I couldn't do that job, because I would immediately terrorize the child. <laughs> I would scare them. I'd be like, this is the you, perfect moment. You think I didn't? <laughs> that's the best part. And you both are starting up a babysitting agency on the side, is what I hear? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, they're in the gallery, and then we have a very... <laughs> Excellent segue. You know, sometimes you just got to go for it. They're in the gallery, and then you you have an excellent, very, very smoothly done introduction of the four suspects of the episode, who walk in having a conversation together, like not noticing that there's other people in the room. So the first one is the art dealer, Orita Shuzo, who's working with the artist to put this exhibition together. He's, you know, he's got like a little thin mustache, a bow tie. He's pretty normal looking, I would say. Butler-esque. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second person to talk is the art lover, Matsumoto Mamiko. So the art dealer has brought these three people here to give them an early tour of the exhibit, while our characters just happen to be in there as well. 
So this is an art lover, Matsumoto Mamiko, who's just a great fan and she loves art. And she has a lot of jewelry on, I noticed. She also has, this has bothered me so much. So her hair reminds me of Motoko Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell. It's exactly the same, except both points of her, like, bangs point to the right. Both of them point to the right in every frame, and it drove me insane. (laughs) Wow. The third character is the art collector Takase Masahiko, who is remarking that this will be valuable in collection. Uh, His notable feature is his hat. Yes. Yes. Which, which is a red beret. And he's just kind of short and like, I'm a grumpy man. He's very grumpy. Mm-hmm. Probably drunk, honestly. Oh, well, he does, it is alibi is drinking, as we'll discover yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. And then the fourth person is an art investor. The art collector, art investor, I guess one person collects it to have forever and the other person is trying to sell them. It seems pretty similar to me. But the interaction you saw there is that our art collector got was insulted by our art investor because the art investor accused her of making money on the side off of her paintings that she was collecting. The art lover. Ah, okay, yeah. Not to be confusing, I've labeled them art dealer, art lover, art collector, art investor. Okay, That's so we used the art lover yeah. of right. not just collecting the art pieces because she likes them, but of uh, making money off the side and, and accused her of being an investor, essentially. Basically, we've got a collector of four... Suspects. Four suspects. The main feature is that they never leave each other's side and that they are our suspects. The art investor, I'll say, has like hair in a ponytail in the way that just a few pieces of the hair are loose and hanging down in front of his face. Yes, and he did what I call the shining devious anime glasses, where his glasses turn white as he says something devious. (laughs) He's also very tall. And he's very tall. Yes, this is something I like to pretend happens when I wear glasses. It doesn't happen, but I pretend it does. (laughs) It only happens when headlights are looking, like when there's like a bright light at you. Or I open the oven and they get all steamy. Yeah, but that's, it doesn't shine in the same way. No. Uh, uh, Here's an idea. Uh, (laughs) If anybody out there is like a Shark Tank type person, glasses that shine and obscure your eyes in the way that anime glasses do. No, I already get ads for that on Facebook. They exist? Yes. (laughs) Okay, never mind. (laughs) That's That's not a lie or a joke. That happens to me frequently. Amazing. So they all want to collect some of these paintings for different reasons, but they're just here to look at the exhibit early on, and really for us to just get to meet the four suspects that we're going to be interrogating later on in the episode. Cosma is uh, filthy rich. Yes. He's the computer guy. Uh huh. To the point where he's always eating lobster. Yes. <laughs> on the whitest of white bread. <laughs> Amazing. He takes it upon himself to explain what an auction is. Which Q does not know what an auction is? I found that weird. Someone's got to be dumb so you can explain to the audience. And they're letting Q not know things in this episode, in this series. In other detective anime shows, uh, the protagonist of Detective Conan knows everything. Yeah, everything. He's a Sherlock Holmes type. So they very much are like, he's a genius at detecting, but he doesn't necessarily have all this background knowledge all the time. Mm -hmm. It's also a reason why he needs to have this team of people that that he uh, solves mysteries with. That's fair. This is the second time when he punches Q instead of Kazuma. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the the thing I noted down here was Q is like, why'd you do this to me? And the other three characters are there. So the, the teacher, Shino, Megu, the, and Kazuma all have this like little laugh. Like, ha 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 ha. not child abuse. Just because he looks like an adult, they're actually the same age. <laughs> they all get a little laugh over that. Mm-hmm. They then go on to tour the art gallery. Which, yes. Uh, it's just bad photos with a... Blurry Photoshop. That's what I was going to ask. These aren't paintings. They're not even good photos. They're not paintings, 
I think they are photos that have been that just have a bunch of Photoshop filters on them, essentially. Within the world of the show, they're paintings, but within like how do they actually make anime? These are probably photos. Well, maybe that's how it works. Maybe because they're in an anime world, paintings look like our world. In our world, they're the painting. So uh, Tojo Masumi, they now get to meet him. He's he's really nice. He's mm-hmm. maybe one of the nicest victims we've had yet. Oh no! Spoilers. He's like very gracious, happy to show them here. And he tells them his backstory that he had an accident in college, a hit and run accident that injured, he got nerve damage in his right hand, his dominant hand. And now he paints with his left hand, all thanks to the encouragement of Katagiri Shino. Mm-hmm. Then they have a moment where Megu displays her photographic memory. <sighs> Michael, anyone listening to the podcast <laughs> up to this point is aware of my frustration with Megu's photographic memory because it's not a real thing and it comes up constantly. It's so good in this episode. They they justify it so well. Uh, she looks at physical sunglasses on the table and it's like, these are not the sunglasses you painted because they're you, different. You, you mean, you mean sunflowers. sunflowers? Yes, sunflowers. <laughs> Painting of sunglasses. <laughs> I'm sure it's been done. Sunflowers on the table. She's like, they're different. And the artist is like, yeah, you got it. But Kinta has a comment, which is like one of the themes of the episode. Something about, you know, when you paint something, you're not trying to reproduce it. You're trying to express art. Just to elevate it. Yeah. Or that's what he Mm -hmm. says. Which is interesting to juxtapose with the photorealism that he does, where he's really recreating things. Yes. Which is also a plot point further on. Then, then, then Then they find the jigsaw puzzle. Yes. Now, the you may have, you may remember the jigsaw puzzle from the title of the episode. It's in the title of the episode. I see. You, you had a confused look on your face. Yes. Uh, but this is an all-white jigsaw puzzle, which does exist. I googled white puzzle. 5,000 pieces, which are all white, and the only way to do the puzzle is just to figure out, based on the, the shape of the pieces, how they fit together. If anything, that's a feat of engineering, because you have to make sure these 5,000 pieces are all completely unique. Yes, because mm-hmm. you'll never figure it out otherwise. Kinta is very excited to look at it, but he's very clumsy and knocks it all over, and it all falls apart. And the the artist is like, I can fix it, I can fix it. But Megu starts to fix it right away. And we're led to believe because of her photographic memory, she just remembers exactly where each of these pieces go. She's not even connecting them together. She's just putting them in the spots where they yeah, will eventually Yeah, she's not putting go. together a puzzle. She's just putting random puzzle pieces in spaces in, because she remembered that's where they went. And those are the first ones she picked up, which is insane. It's a cool anime thing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, look. Just Just start telling yourself that she's a secret government experiment. This is the flip side. Yeah, I Michael. Think, this is the flip side of my incredulousness towards uh, the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh, where it took him like five years to solve the Millennium Puzzle. That puzzle is like eight pieces, <laughs> but it's magical. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but the other thing too, I, I don't know. Would you would you find it easier to believe if this was like a sci-fi world where right where she had been like experimented on or right? Sure. Like so, this is like a grounded. I'm doing air quotes. Grounded world where we're. Everything has to make sense for the mysteries to make sense. Yeah. And she's got this very supernatural ability. That's just what bugs me about it. Yeah. Well, it's useful. It is. <laughs> she could just be a photographer. She'd have to take pictures of everything. I know people like that. <laughs> so let's all take a little relaxing break now and go down by the, the water side and maybe have some gentle music playing in the background for a nice romantic walk. That's what... Uh, category chino and our artists do mm-hmm. where they flirt oh yes yeah it's it's very sad that they, this doesn't go further because there, there's clearly a thing going on between them you haven't changed except you're more famous he's kind of angsty about his photos being so 
photorealistic. What, what did anyone else pick up on that? Well, what I wrote here was sad artist. Oh no, he's going to die. <laughs> I think I think what I picked up uh, related to the previous uh, comment about art elevating the subject is that I I feel like he might have some insecurities about the fact that he is only copying what's in front of him or what he sees. Um, because he does, he does correct that quote and say, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not elevating things. Except then he, he goes in this, you know, uh, flirty walk, uh, and, and says, well, you know, it's not always true that I'm not elevating things. There is an element of truth to that, which, you know, comes out. Oh, that's what that's about at the very end of the episode. Uh I get it now. Uh Uh-huh. I, I get, oh my gosh. So this this is also this is also specifically foreshadowing both for that bit in the end of the episode and the thing we find out soon as we go. Yes. yes. Again, spoilers, so I'm not going to say it now. <laughs> <laughs> so they now have a fancy lunch. Yes. They're eating oysters. Yes. Uh, oysters or mussels? Doesn't matter. Oh, I have never eaten either, so I do not. Do not ask me. Um, the four suspects walk by. This is the first time Tojo has seen them. Um, and he, like, is clearly upset. By the four-headed witness monster. Yeah. By yeah. them walking by. And he makes, he, so he makes an excuse to go up and go away. Um, and they're, by the time they're all finished with lunch, he hasn't come back. And they get worried and they go to look for him. Shino's going to go on her own, but Megu runs after her. What do they find? They find uh, he's dead. And his dun, dun, dun. puzzle has been strewn about the room. Yeah, this is interesting. There's, like, blood pooled by his head. And interestingly enough, I don't know that they talk about, like, how he was killed. Yeah, they don't talk about the wound. They they show how he was killed later on in the episode. Right. They do. But they don't investigate it in the way that they do in other episodes where they're like, oh, well, this, where's the weapon and this and that. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't, they don't cover, like, what was the weapon, let's look for it, what was the time of death. Uh, because this jigsaw puzzle is is spread out all over the floor, and that's much more fascinating. Much well, more and and because and because we're having a a moment of grief. Yeah, Megu is really upset, but Shino is very much like you got to remain calm. At some point, there's now a crowd of people there, and and they're like, "We're DDS. We're going to investigate this until the police arrive." Which takes, fortunately, long enough for them to figure it out. <laughs> yep. It. Is a strange, it is a strange thing that they're able to investigate it in this way, but it's established in the show that, like, as people from DDS, they can just say we're from DDS and people cooperate with them in these sorts of situations. Which is hilarious considering the fact that most of them are children. Yes, they also had this very weird, like, still shot of them, like, action running investigating. They're like, mm-hmm. we're not going to show the investigation, but here's us running with blurry lines behind us. Yeah. And the first thing they do is just run around and ask random people what they were doing. Q is, like, quizzing this old couple. Uh, and there's no point to it, really. Right. Because no. everybody has an alibi, except, surprise, our four-headed suspect monster has no alibi. Yes. And is and is very insulted that they are being asked again about their alibi. And very ins- all of them very insulted that, that they are being yeah. accused of murder. It's convenient that not only one of them is indignant, because that might give away who the murderer was. Well, there's also this additional thread that of the four of them, three of them claim that they don't even know the guy. So yes. why are they suspects? They go through that in a second. Um, they, the art lover, the, the woman, um, Mamiko. She was in her, her alibi is that she was in her room uh, doing phone calls, and here's her flip phone 
uh, here's the call log. Yeah, she pulls out her flip phone. She's like, take a look at this. She says she doesn't even know what the guy looks like. Which I find hilarious because there is a giant sign in the entrance to the like restaurant area <laughs> that has his face on it. Exactly. It's the first thing we saw at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. But she didn't look at the page. She didn't look at the poster. No. The art investor was taking a nap in his room until somebody came to wake him up. He he just came in from Hokkaido and has never met. And boy, are his arms tired. Why are his arms tired? He just came in from Hokkaido. He just flew in from Hokkaido. That's a city, isn't it? Yes. You know, I just flew in and boy, my arms. Okay, great. <laughs> cut that out. I don't know. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you, Mike. I got you, you cut that out. <laughs> I got it. Uh, the art collector came from Hakata. He doesn't, he says he has no reason to kill him. The dealer's the only one who knew him. And his alibi is that he was drinking beer in his room. This is Beret Guy. The dealer's like, I wouldn't kill my business partner. I was just in my office. And of course, then the accusation comes out that, hey, like, it makes a lot of sense for the dealer to kill him because, hey, uh, art appreciates after the artist. Uh. Yeah, it's pretty silly for him to say he has nothing to gain from it. Mm -hmm. So the long story short, they have no alibis. Was was the conclusion that was come to. Because they were all alone and didn't have anyone to vouch for them. Um, they do take, like, a couple lines just to just to kind of cover their bases. And they say, you know, there were camera footages and everyone else has an alibi. And all the staff are accounted for to just, like, cross those yes, things. all of our off-screen action investigating so we can get to the puzzle. Yes. Because that's what yeah. we're interested in. They don't want any angry, anonymous comments on message boards complaining that they didn't cover their bases. Yeah. That was a plot point in the previous episode. It was. Angry uh, online message board post. Our, our characters go away to kind of discuss what's going on. Kazuma and Kinta suspect one person or another person. Q is kind of kind of still suspecting all of them. He, he, he deduces it wasn't planned because their evidence wasn't disposed of. And this is the point where Megu starts to get upset because uh, Katagiri, well, basically because she thinks Katagiri should be allowing herself to be sad. Yeah. Uh, which is where we sort of run into this like Japanese trope of like womanhood and being emotional is at odds with professionalism. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know, a little misogynistic, but that's what's happening. Yeah, and, and there's a question of like, can you solve the murder if you if you get upset? And Gino's like, we, we're members of DDS, we're here in an official capacity. I'll cry on my own time. Q gives a nice little heartfelt, like, talk about that. His most important moment in this episode, perhaps. He basically is like, don't don't feel bad about being sad. Yeah, you can do it. Yep. I, I do find it interesting that our protagonist here, his most important bit in this episode is being emotionally intelligent. Because that's not usually the case for anime protagonists. And he is often oblivious. To other people, so, you know. Consistent writing. Sure. (laughs) So, um, Shino has, is, is in the room looking at the body alone, being sad. When Megu and Q come in, I guess just off of their, their little heartfelt moment in their walk. And they find, they have these jigsaw pieces which were in the victim's pocket. Yes, which Katagiri has, uh, removed and is now holding them with no gloves. Just they're in a bag. Not yet. They're not in a bag. They're just in her hands, cupped hands. I'm, I was very Im- impressed by the amount of uh, evidence tampering that happened in this episode. Well, that's why they got to solve the murder before the police get there, because otherwise it's just there's lots of like, problems. Yeah, but, but, but the amount of evidence tampering in this episode is like in line with most D&D parties. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like 
they, they, you know, we, we were touching the body, we're, we're looting the body, we're pulling <laughs> things out of the yeah. pockets, we're moving everything in the in the scene to try to figure... It's, it, they're just as bad as any D&D campaign. Yes. Yeah. And last episode, when Kinta needed to take fingerprints, he had gloves. So you're telling me their teacher doesn't have gloves? Also, if, if fingerprinting has, has happened in previous episodes, why and, and the weapon is there, why didn't they just fingerprint the weapon? Because the puzzle. Because the puzzle. Because the puzzle. <laughs> We're distracted because of this all-white puzzle that only one person, or only two people in the entire episode are convinced is even possible to do. And the, the other the thing that's important about the puzzle is they had put it back together after they broke it before lunch. So the, the victim, before he died, messed up the puzzle and put this set of pieces into his pocket. Which means... Which means... Which it's, means... It's a dying message! The Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Okay. <laughs> which which I, I still think you should absolutely take that sound bite of yeah. her saying dying message in, in the anime. And just like any time you need to say dying message in this podcast, <laughs> just edit in that sound clip. Well, this is our third dying message. This is the seventh episode of Detective Academy Q. Mm-hmm. And it's the third time that they've talked about a dying message. This one's fairly unique and it's kind of interesting. So first they put together the puzzle pieces that were in the pocket and they just make kind of random shapes. It doesn't really look like anything. Mm-hmm. Not English characters, not Japanese characters, not an arrow pointing at the nothing, Yeah, I'm, nothing specific. It's just like squiggly lines. Yeah, it's just squiggly lines. And then there's another photographic memory moment where Megu realizes that this the painting of the sunflowers... Sunflowers. Flowers? Uh-huh. Yes, sunflowers. Sunflowers. Yes. Flowers. Sunflowers. <laughs> Very sunflowers good. is the same as the sunflowers that were in the hotel lobby. Which is why we've now concluded that uh, Tojo, the artist, must have a photographic memory, and I'm not salty about it. That's You're not salty that. about it. Uh, which is which is why he w- he reacted so much when Megu started putting the puzzle back together before, because he's not used to seeing other people with a photographic memory. It's also why he was so chill about the puzzle being messed up and so completely convinced he could put it back together again. Yes. And honestly, like, anyone who doesn't have a photographic memory that's buying a white puzzle in real life, buy a puzzle with something on it. <laughs> My family would do it. My family puts together puzzles all the time, and we would take that challenge, and we would actually absolutely put yeah. that thing together. Well, I want to get one of the puzzles where every piece is a, is a fully different color, and you do it in the color gradient. Oh, uh-huh. But that's slightly different to me. Yeah, Those are slightly cool. different. Now, before we move on, this is where we go to the commercial break, and we see the eye catch for this episode. Oh, and uh, do tell. Yes, this is this uh, rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, because we have an ongoing complaint about the portrayal of Megu as a character so everyone else is eye catch it's like you know dramatic stuff and then it's their face and like something dramatic in the background but for megu the background of her eye catch uh is, is it her legs it's her legs and butt oh and butt yeah in a skirt but it's her legs and butt uh, color me surprised i didn't even <laughs> notice like i i just filtered this out of my brain apparently yeah I, I didn't, and I didn't pay attention. There's a bit of it in the opening theme too. There's a very strong emphasis on her legs all the time, and her oh, yeah. yeah, her family, her family name literally translates to like beautiful South. So whatever yep. that could mean. Yep. So yep. Yep. That, yep. Yep. Just a side note. Still sexist. My photographic memory is up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. They conclude all this stuff. There's really good music here. I don't remember exactly what it was like. I like I like the music on these shows mm-hmm. when they start deducing things. It 
it's it's fun. Music is something you could describe in a podcast <laughs> by playing it. You but could. I, I don't have that, so I described it with words poorly. Great. And because they both had photographic memory, and the puzzle is like for people with photographic memory, the victim must have been sending a message directly to Megu because he knew she would be able to interpret it. Mm-hmm. This yep. is when Hara from the police department arrives. Yes, and it's time to gather up all the everybody. Also, re- re- real quick, real quick. This is, this is one of the most unrealistic things that I, that I noticed in this episode. I don't know a single artist that wouldn't have a writing utensil on them. Good point. At, some, Good point. at every point in time, and it is a white puzzle. So most artists I know, <laughs> if they were going to use a puzzle like that, would just script, like write whatever it is on the puzzle. But okay. Yeah. They don't go to the trouble to justify it here, but often they justify the increasingly elaborate dying messages, basically like in order to make something tamper proof or that the killer won't mess with, you leave behind something that doesn't look like a clue. Like he just has a handful of puzzle pieces. True. No one's going to take the time to, to mess that up. Yep. But you're right. Like. There's no justification for that here. It's implied that the guy just like ran away because he was in a rush yep. and left him here. So He could have also written it on the puzzle and then broken up the puzzle and stuck puzzle pieces in his in his pocket. And it would have been the same thing. He could have done that with an artist. You would think like maybe they would paint a dying message. No, it's a puzzle. That's a lot. Though. He's, all, he's an artist who's also a puzzle enthusiast. Yes. He had a decent amount of time here because of what we'll see exactly what he did. Yeah. Couldn't have. It, it took some amount of time. It took some amount of time. Um, the suspects yeah. come back in. They're very impatient. Megu is going through the puzzle, and everybody's like, what that's for? Katagiri declares, it's a dying message! Uh-huh. Yeah. The Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Well, and, and also, we, we, haven't, we haven't mentioned, Megu is not anymore putting together the pieces that were in the pocket. Right. She's now putting together all the rest of the pieces. Which were on the floor. To see what the, what the negative images is. Right. They've decided, right, it's not about what was on those pieces in the pocket. In the pocket. They've got to put the rest of it back together. Now Q pulls out his catchphrase. Yes. Uh, we've evolved. Originally, he only ever had two hints. We're maintaining our current running record of three hints This now. is the second, yeah, second Hint- episode in a row where he's had three hints. Hintomits. So we've got the, the photographic memory is our first hint, uh, which is met with, I say, understandable skepticism. <laughs> Literally, they're like, is that a thing? I've never heard of that. <laughs> Uh, the second hint is uh, that the murderer did not, oh no, that he did not know the murderer's name. The victim did not know the murderer's name. And the third, which I think you're probably going to take umbrage with, as you mentioned <laughs> before, is that he's an artistic genius. Oh yeah, yeah, talent, talent versus skill. Uh, that's that's a whole rant, and probably goes after we finish the uh, the summary of the episode. <laughs> okay, fair enough. He was an artistic genius. He had some he had some kind of ability to do crazy kind of photorealistic art from memory. Yes, he was he was considered an artistic genius by by society. We'll go with that. And that means there's only one answer to the murder. Kinta and Cosma have red spray paint. Well, first we have a very dramatic reveal of nothing. It's a big white rectangle. Yes. A white puzzle. Kinta and Cosma get out red spray paint and they just start spray painting it up. In the gallery. They start spray painting in the gallery where all the other paintings are. Also, <laughs> talk about talk about destruction of evidence. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. They destroyed it. There's no way. There's no way you'd be allowed to do that. Nope. While while the police are just standing there watching, waiting to see what's going on, 
Now, this is also where we get the uh, the puzzle pieces that were in the pocket in a baggie. We finally see them right, in a baggie. Right, now they're in a baggie. Yes. She's like, these were the pieces that he had in his pocket. Now that they've spray painted it, Megu shakes it so that all the pieces fall off of the board. Very dramatically. It's Very great. Dramatically. I love it. They fall it. forever. They fall forever. <laughs> and it's just one by one. Every character gets eliminated as they look at somebody else and look at somebody else. And then there's only one person left. Right. They're, because they don't show us the picture first. They show us people gazing. Miriam, you made sure to point out that, that the one guy was very tall. It's the art investor. Yes. Whose name is Yamazaki Toru. Otherwise known as Devious Glasses Guy. Because <laughs> yes. uh, everybody is like looking up at this tall guy. Then we see the picture, which is the, like a pixel puzzle oh my God. <laughs> image in red paint of, of his face. This unbelievable outline of his face. I've, I've got to say this, this reveal, yes, unbelievable outline and, and like line drawing of this, of this guy's face, which one, we do not see any evidence of our artists doing figurative work at any point. Everything <laughs> else is still life or landscape. So there's, there's one, two, I was totally expecting this not to be an image of the, of the victor, the murderer's face. I was, ex- because all of our suspects had such like, like specific things like the, the woman the woman had uh-huh. the hair and the necklace and there was the hat and the glasses and all these very specific things. I was expecting it to be like an uh, an identifying object about the person rather than like here's their face. But it's outlined here's their in face. puzzle pieces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what we're led to believe he did is pulled out all the individual pieces to make this face, shoved them in his pocket, and then shaked all the other pieces out on the floor. Mm-hmm. Which wouldn't come across and be fully scattered as they're showing them. Like some of them would hold together. It's the amount of well, dexterity. Well, unless, unless he pulled out all those pieces and then as like and before he got a chance to actually like shake it all out on the floor. He, that was like his end and he fell onto the thing and it launched it. Yeah, I just, I don't, I, I have a tough time imagining a world in which you've been bludgeoned on the head to the point that you will die. Yes. But you have enough consciousness and capability to draw this face. With, right. It's, it's Why wouldn't you choose to do something else? Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. question. Yeah. Well, yeah. he knew that Megu would be able to understand the message and he sent a message directly to her so no one else would be able to uh, figure it out. Mm-hmm. So we have the reveal. Yes, I love this. Some nice flashbacks here. Yes. Uh, so we, we basically have this flashback to uh, he's being confronted by the art. the invest, He's an inv- investor, right? Well, first we flash back to the hit and run. Yes. Uh, and we we see the, the murderer today was the person driving the car. Which I called, I called it, I called it, I called it. Yeah. <laughs> when it was like, there's four people and who's it going to be? It's like the hidden run's got to be the same person. Yep. Which, yeah. Not clear which, which person it was going to be, but. Well, especially because we very specifically mentioned that, uh, yeah. that bit of backstory. And then we see the murder itself and we see them having a conversation. To artist, Tojo is like, I remember everything from that night. I know what your car you were driving, what you were wearing. Visibility was poor, but I saw you. Um, and he's like, I haven't been able to use my right hand since then, but don't look at me like he said something else. That was when he was murdered. Yes, that's when he was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> so, often, that was the, the, the face of expectancy that often, like, I should be remembering some detail here. The detail is that he was murdered. <laughs> yes. And we flash back to, to current 
time now, and the, re- the reason we're getting this flashback is because, thank God, the murderer is confessing in thorough detail, because we've destroyed all evidence, there's nothing to convict this guy, but he is just gushing, so now we have perfectly admissible evidence, regardless of the usefulness of anything before that, yeah. Yeah. But Chino points out that he was probably about to apologize, and that makes the murderer very sad. Yep. Yes. Like, you killed him, and he was going to be nice, so salt in the wound. My note here is that the motive was dumb. Like, killing someone like that for that kind of thing is such an extreme reaction. This guy had to... He's afraid of all scandal to the point of being willing to kill someone. Often on these shows, the, the victims will be terrible people. And, like, when you flash back to the murderer, they'll be, like, tormenting the person that murders them. And this was the show trying to avoid that because they've set up the victim as a very lovable person. So he couldn't actually do anything to hurt or harm the other guy. So they had to try to make an understanding, misunderstanding, and totally, I think, failed to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's also this, I don't know, I always wonder, like, with these, like, past crimes that come up in these shows, like how much of an effect it would really have on his life in Japanese society and Japanese true. law versus what we know to be true. So maybe it really would have ruined his life. That's, I don't know. That's true. true. But he true. should have waited for the guy to say like, and I'm going to turn you in or, and I'm going to embezzle $50,000, you know, pay me or else I'll reveal your secret. He just, uh, he just freaked out. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, then we have sort of a, an epilogue. The wrap up scene. Yes. Yeah, sad sunset. This is where it all this is where it all comes together. Yep. Shino thanks Megu because it was her presence and her ability and him knowing about her ability that enabled him to leave that message and, and that enabled him to catch the murderer. Not that he could have thought of anything else in yep. any other circumstances. And they have found a painting. By rummaging through his room, I yeah. guess. Yeah. That he was yeah. working on. The the painting itself is uh I'm I'm terrible with names, so it's the, the it's a painting of the instructor. Yes, yes, of his, kind of of his lady love, uh, and uh, the thing that just made me laugh at this point in this very heartfelt, touching moment is that all of the rest of his paintings are photorealistic, and it's as we discussed that like we put a bunch of Photoshop filters on these on these photos in order to make it look like a photorealistic painting in an anime. This is very. This painting is very clearly drawn by the people that drew the anime. Yes, yes, and that just made me laugh. It's also his only figurative work that we've seen in this whole thing. Yes, and what I noted personally here is that it's like it's clearly it's Katagiri who's like this button-down you know person and being depicted as like pretty and it's like what do they do to make her pretty? They take off her glasses, which is uh, yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I personally thought she was pretty because she was in a field of flowers. Her hair is blowing in the wind. She's in a field of flowers and she's in a sundress. And her glasses are gone. Yeah. But I do think it's notable. This is something I hadn't thought of. I think what they're trying to do thematically is to show, like, look, here's a painting where he was able to paint something that wasn't photorealistic, and it shows how much he probably cared about her or something. Yeah. So, we, Michael, I've got to stop. I've got to start uh, recommending people that they stick through the end of the credits, because on this show, there has consistently been stuff at the end of the credits. Yes. Uh, Miriam, what's the chance that you stuck through the end of the credits? Uh, I did. I did, actually. Uh, and it made me laugh. Because I definitely tried to do the the photo uh, like the photographic memory thing and remember all the things, uh, and then like I they show so they they show this thing they just flip it onto the screen twice right, uh, and the second time I'm like wait that no it was a different first letter I went through and looked back frame by frame they are two different images 
Yeah, Mega was they're two different images. <laughs> She's like, let's practice photographic memory. I'm going to show you something. And she's saying it to the audience, but then also the other characters are practicing it. It's not based in reality. Mm-hmm. It's very much a random piece of randomness. Yeah. And we don't normally talk about the next episode preview as to avoid spoilers, I guess. But this one, this one I wanted to mention real quick because, you know, in these previous post credit scenes, we were getting a lot of information about this mysterious character, Ryu. And I have pretty consistently referred to him as like the mysterious Bishonen character that we don't know anything about. Yes. Which they actually call him that. They literally call him Fushigina Bishonen Tensei. The literally just the mysterious Bishonen genius. And real quick, Bishonen means? Pretty boy. It's, it's a, a, it's a kind of character type in anime. Yes. Yeah. Of like a, a, a beautiful boy. Uh, often in fandoms referred to as Bishy. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe gone out of, uh, out of popular use, but back then it was Bishonen. Now I think Ikemen is what you say. Yeah. Okay. That's new to me. I think I haven't been talking about the next up because we've always seen the next episodes. So I've just been thinking from memory of what's happening in the next episode, but we haven't watched these episodes yet. It's a, a four part mystery arc so four episodes of a continuous story we're going to be covering all four on our next episode of the podcast uh we're we're meeting this character the premise is that they go on a class trip together to an island and people start being murdered and i really feel like the name of the island in japanese i didn't catch oh i didn't write it down i feel like it was literally like murder island or stab wound island or something i have to i'll have to remember for next time to it's a bad idea for this school to go on field trips yes it's pretty clear that whenever they go on field trips someone is going to die yeah we've already fallen into the trope of the wherever these people go someone's gonna die yeah so that's something to be excited for for next time Looking back at this episode, uh, what do we think? How was it? Uh, so much evidence tampering. So oh much. Oh my gosh. I, wh- wh- which, wh- where's my note for that? No, I can't find it. <clears throat> I, have, I have a sticky note full of my little notes, and I can't read my handwriting. Someone has tampered with your sticky notes. I'm tampering with my sticky notes. That's the problem. Yeah, it's, it's like in all caps. Like, oh my god, the spray paint, so much destroyed evidence. <laughs> and the D and D comment. So yeah, Miriam, what do you what do you think? Did you enjoy watching the episode? In what kind of way? It was it was fun to watch. It was it was kind of a fun little like break from reality sort of thing. Also, I uh, I can I'm just going to insert my talent rant here. I uh, one of the yeah. things that Kat's saying at the start of the episode, and this kind of lines in with that. He's an artistic genius. Is the like oh he's so talented. You have so much talent. Talent isn't a thing. Like, we treat talent as if it's some kind of magical ability that artists have. And sure, people tend to be kind of better at one thing or at another. But when you get to the level of art where most people are like, oh, they're so talented, where it's like, wow, this is really incredible what they're doing. It's not talent at that point. It's skill. It's work. It is training. It is all of the hours of practice that have gone into being able to do what they do. Um, and there was a, that got alluded to a little bit in this episode when he's talking about using his left hand because his dominant hand got got injured. Um, so he had to relearn how to do all of this with his left mm. hand. When people start going off about talent and how talented this person is, it just it, it gets my goat a bit, and I just go off on a little rant about how talent isn't real. It's <laughs> skill. Just like any other skill, someone doesn't come out of the womb being able to play the violin at master level. The same thing with art. 
Yeah, they they have the, you have a sense in some of these episodes that they're like picking a theme for character growth because they're like in a school or learning, and sometimes some of the things they cover, it's like, huh? Yeah. Um, and uh, and a lot of times something like talent or talent in a particular thing will be used as a a defining point of a character. It'll become a personality right. trait of a non fleshed out character, which many of the non protagonist characters are in these kinds of shows. Well, right. We specifically have a team of protagonists who are each mainly defined by a, a skill or trait. Yes. Mm-hmm. Especially in these 25 minute single mysteries, like they just introduce all those characters so fast. They, mm-hmm. they give them their job. They're like these characters, their job or whatever was their one defining trait. And even mm-hmm. the victim, you're right. He didn't get much more attention. Yes. Well, in their defense, th- this arc of episodes specifically has been like, take these protagonists each of which who have like a single defining trait of right. their talent and give them a bit of fleshing out that's true so we had the the quinta episode we had the cosmo episode and then we had the mego episodes presumably next we're gonna have the ryu episodes so yeah they are fleshing them out finally our main characters are each getting an episode but yes. the, the little characters we meet among, along the way not so much i definitely continue to enjoy this episode more than some of the earlier ones yes i mean from like st- from a fun standpoint like that reveal of the murderer's face in the puzzle pieces is so fun. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb, it's but fun. it's fun. Yeah. And like a satisfying conclusion, the way they built up to the uh, thing. His three hints, like one of them being he's an artistic genius. That's not a hint. It's not a hint. We, we... Yeah. I mean, you, you could basically say instead of he's an artistic genius, a better way to put it would be he's a very skilled artist. Which would imply that he could use his last moments to create a likeness of the person that killed him. Yeah, we don't know that something wasn't lost in translation there because we're relying yeah, on that's these, also sub- true. these subtitlers and their interpretation of the words. That's also true. So who knows? That's a good caveat that we always need. Based on how coherent everything seems to watch it, I believe that they're doing a good job in mostly, caption- mostly capturing the spirit of things, but you never know. Yep. So, um... You might have strong feelings about things that happened in this episode. Hey, maybe you <laughs> have photographic memory. Are you accusing me of having photographic memory? No, not you. I'm oh. talking to the listener. Oh, okay. Listener, you might have photographic memory. You should uh, send your comments, your questions, things we missed, other things, other thoughts and feelings you have about these the, the show that we've been watching to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Or in a comment to us on on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. But don't send us a blurred photo and say you painted it. Don't send us a blurred photo and say you painted it. We did. We did have uh, an email, and uh, and I have a question from that email. This is uh, this is also from Nate, who's answered question we answered last week. Our but one emailer. This, well, he wrote several questions. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, you know. We're, we're starting off, so we're meeting this one out. You know, based on the timeline of, of when we're recording this, also, it's like, it's just not feasible for people to have watched, have listened to our episodes yet to send things in. But, uh, hey, what we're saying is, uh, get it in early. Get it in early. Get it in early, and we will, we will read your email within reason on the show and answer your questions. But this question, it's a great question. What kind of specialized high school would you want to go to? Oh. Mm. What kind of world do I get to live in? Can I go to that to those to those one for uh, all the kids that end up in like magical worlds? Uh, I want to go to a magical world. Magical world. Let's do that. There is a novel with that premise. 
Oh yeah, no, I've heard about called. Harry I Potter. It, I know about it. <laughs> no, 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 Harry no, no, Potter. No. It's for the it's for the Alice in Wonderlands and the kids from Narnia. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. But they're all like they're all traumatized, right? Well, mm-hmm. not the version that Miriam's going to. Okay. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> Don't be traumatized, Miriam. Go to a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the difficulty here is that if you're if you're a kid that ends up in a magical world, you don't get a choice. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a tough... I'm going to answer that multiply. If I was like a pure anime, like if, if I wanted to be like the anime I want to star in, it would be I would go to a giant robot piloting high school. Such as? Such as? Well, like such as in what anime? Oh, there isn't one. I just want to go to a giant robot yeah. piloting anime okay. high school. That's Why fair. is that not an anime? <laughs> oh my God. There's a few that... Veer, like there's plenty of uh, high schoolers who pilot giant robots. Right, yeah. But not quite to my knowledge. Oh, robotics notes. Well, they're, they're building robots. I mean, the closest I can think to that isn't an anime, it's Ender's Game. Yes, but we don't talk about that because (laughs) Orson's card sucks. Yeah. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Uh, You heard it here first. (laughs) 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 Uh, My second answer to that was if it was like fiction passing into reality, I would want to go to a magic high school because magic is awesome. Like Hogwarts. Like Hogwarts, but only No, 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 we also don't talk about Rowling anymore. uh, Exactly. We don't talk about Rowling anymore. Uh, the new Orson Scott card. Uh, but if it was just like a real a real world grounded like specialty high school, I think culinary high school would be really cool. Oh, I was not thinking of real world grounded high schools. I would like if you were asking me when I was in middle school or high school, uh, DDS is, is like on the list of things I would have chosen. I believe that because, you know, <laughs> I, I said it as a joke in a previous episode, but I did literally want to be a fictional detective when I grow up. Not a real detective solving real-world murders where people don't leave behind dying messages in the form of puzzles. Right. <laughs> you just yeah. wanted people to die wherever you went. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, you'd never be able to take a vacation. <laughs> cool. So, Miriam. Yes. Is there anything you want to plug while we've got you here? Yes, actually, uh, that, that insider art comic we mentioned it's an anthology um, from over a hundred different creators who volunteered their time and art and skills and writing and a number of other editing and a number of other different things uh, to put together an anthology to uh, raise money for uh, female and non-binary uh, comic retailers who have been hit by the uh, pandemic uh, financially. So it. All, all proceeds go towards supporting these retailers um, so that your comic stores can still exist after this is all over. Uh, so the the website is insiderart.net. Um, I assume that Noah and Mike, you'll you'll put this in the uh, in the notes for the episode. Um, yes. But you can you can buy the digital anthology, which is a PDF download. Uh, if you go to the website, you'll find the link right there, and it is a $10 or more donation. Uh, so for $10, you can get over 275 pages of comics and illustrations and writing and other things. Uh, that's really awesome. It's also family-friendly. That's so cool. Um, yeah. That's really exciting, and we'll definitely share that link so people can check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Miriam, for being yeah. on the, the podcast. You did have opinions about art, which which I, I hoped you would. Um, we were really <laughs> excited to to talk about that with you. Uh, for, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, 
wow, this is episode six, but there's going to be many more episodes because there's lots more detective anime out there. So make sure you subscribe wherever it is you're listening to this podcast. Leave us reviews. Send us that. Send us that email so that we can feature it. And uh, keep uh, keep keep cluing. Keep cluing. Keep cluing. Great. Keep cluing. Keep cluing. <laughs> next week. Like we said, we're doing the next, I think, three or four episodes, which are this big kind of plot arc. So if you're keeping up with us, that's what you want to watch. And that's that's it for us today. Oh, yeah. But, but Miriam, uh, I wanted to ask you about the mystery of the Christmas gift of 1995. Uh, so I solved that wrong is the problem. Um, so my, my sisters and I growing up uh, always liked to try to figure out what our Christmas gifts were under the tree. Uh, and we did this by, like, not by sneaking in and looking at, you know, and finding them before our parents had wrapped them. We wait until they were under the tree. And then we go and we, you know, we gently shake and we poke them and we feel the weight of them and where the weight is and all this. My gift, just the way the wrapping paper was was set up and the, the shape of the package and the way, like, certain things pressed in and other things didn't, I was convinced that it was some kind of, like, toy piano thing. Uh, I wasn't sure it didn't it didn't it wasn't making a lot of sound but maybe it was battery operated and you had to have you know batteries in it for it to make sound I didn't know Uh, I was very very wrong it was no kind of musical instrument at all it was in fact a doodle bear which is one of those uh, teddy bears that came with markers that you could draw all over it and then stick it in the wash and it'd be clean again and then you could draw all over it with your friends again so I was very incorrect how much of that was wishful thinking? Like, did you really want a toy piano? It wasn't on my list, so I was kind of surprised about it, but I wasn't disappointed about the idea of it. I was, what, eight, nine? Would you say that Doodle Bear pr- propelled you forward into a life of illustration? I mean, we could say that. I don't know how accurate it is, but we could say it. <laughs> I, I've, been drawing, I've been drawing since I was little, so it's, uh, the Doodle Bear was not the start of it. But it makes sense why your parents then decided to get that for you as a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was I was very happy with that surprise. Like I was like I was wrong, but what was there was even better. And that closes the case on this week's dying message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode six, in which we tamper with evidence in the name of art. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, also Miriam Bloom. Coming up, who are the members of Class A and do they have any distinctive traits? Who will mourn the death of Saburo Maru? Can we successfully squeeze four anime episodes into one podcast? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. Um, And then putting two and two together, detective anime is what this podcast is about, in addition to... I don't know, whatever else it's about. And then I thought I might come up with a joke there. I didn't. Let's cut this out. It's great. 